I want to start off this morning by giving you a scenario which every one of us, it happens to us. Absolutely. Yeah, we all go to these places, these, which is called malls, don't we? And we walk in there and we want to buy. And as we walk through there, we take the wife with, we take the children with, and we go from shop to shop. And sooner or later you feel that your legs are getting tired and you need a rest. You need to sit down somewhere or the wife then goes, look, I just want to quickly jump into this clothing shop, honey. Can I just do that? And you think, oh, another clothing shop or another shop where I can buy some pottery. And as you walk up to that, you go, oh, my legs are killing me. Is that you? The next thing I'm looking around is, where's the couch? I just want to sit down for a few minutes. And as you walk and you see there's a couch right in front of the store, you see there's somebody else sitting on the couch. And you see the gap that strikes them is just big enough for you. And you think, look, that's where I'm going to sit down. And you head for that. And you sit down next to this person. And because you're a child of God, you always are friendly. You've got a smile. And you say hello to the person next to you. Say, hi, how are you doing? She'll be all right. Not too bad, they say. And you think, wait a minute, I've heard a sermon preach about that. Not too bad. What's bad about it? But you're not going to ask that. You just sit down next to the person. And uh, he's friendly. And he looks at you. It's at that point that that person turns to you. He says, can I ask you a question? Please ask. What, what do you want to ask? And he asks you the following question. He says, how do you know that God exists? And there's that silence which is right now happening here. You sit there and you go, oh, why that question? How do you know that God exists? And, he, and he's looking at you and, and all these thoughts go through your mind. Gee, that's awkward. Yeah? Or you go, Geez, I wish my wife will hurry up now. Or, or another thought comes into your mind, you go, I don't know how to explain it. Or maybe, I just know that God exists. Or, shall I say, maybe you think, well, I don't know. I don't know if God exists. Wait a minute, I'm a Christian, I should know. You know, you've got this inner conversation going on, yet this guy is waiting for you. He asked the question, how do you know that God exists? And it's not as if it's a flippant question. He wants an answer. Yes? And you think, wait a minute, I've got a plan. I'm going to turn to him and say, look, here's my pastor's phone number. You can call him. It's okay. He'll answer the phone. He, he's the one who can answer this. It's really awkward, isn't it? When people ask those God questions in public. Or you think, look buddy, it's a personal thing. It's between me and my God. What's your answer going to be? Because dear friend, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Do you know what that word sanctify means? It means to set God a part in your heart to spend time with Him, to give Him time to make you and to build into you. He says, put it aside. Why? Why? Because you always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. 
with meekness and with fear. This is what, not what I say, this is what the Bible says. And this morning, he looks at you and me and he says, you've got to have the answer. If this person who's sitting next to you asks you that question, he's obviously looking at you and he's seeking for something and you and I need to give him defense. The word defense there means an answer. Have you got the answer this morning? Are you going to sit there and say, thank you for asking me, now let me tell you. Now if you haven't got the answer, you don't have to look far and wide. We're going to look at that this morning, okay? I want to talk to you this morning and we're going to study a little bit of theology. Who knows what the word theology means? It's made up out of two words. It's theo and ology. Theo, God, ology, study. So it's a study of God. It's not a disease you get. You see, some people these days, when you talk about theology, they go, whoa, stay away from that guy. No, no, theology is God's study. It is to know God better. And dear friends, we need that more in the church today. We need to know more about God. What are you going to answer that person? If you don't study God, you won't be able to answer Him. We're going to look, and, and look, I know I've said last week that we're going to start with a book, but I prayed about this and I believe the Lord is leading me in the next few Sundays to do a little bit of theology. God's study. To answer some of these questions that comes our way. Like, how do you explain to somebody the Trinity, the triune God? How do you explain it to somebody? In the next few weeks, God willing, I will give you a few uh, sermons on that. Today we're going to start answering this question about how do we know that God exists? How do we know? And it's important to know. I love this following verse in Daniel chapter 11 verse 31. It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong. Look, dear friend, I know children of God, and you can see them, and they are strong. Why? Because they know their God. That gives them strength. If you want strength today, you say, look, I've got a difficult life, I go through difficult things in my life, and I feel so weak, there's only one place you will find strength, and that is in God. But if you don't know He exists, how can you find the strength? And that is what you need to do. You and I need to study God. They shall be strong, the word says, and they will carry out great exploits. Greatness is not what you do yourself. Greatness is what God do through you. That is what happened. That's not me saying it. The word says it. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. They will instruct many. Now look at this. Remember the guy who was sitting there? He says, can I ask you a question? There comes that verse. If you understand, and if you know God, then you can instruct. This is what you can do, what that verse says. So this morning, in the next few moments, we're going to look at three things about how God exists. And look... I can honestly tell you, I can stand here for hours and hours and we can go really deep into the Bible, we can go shallow and deep. I've only picked out three things. There are so many. And if you're going to start studying God, you will find so many of them. There's a threefold answer that I want to discuss today. First of all, people have an inner sense of God. You sitting here this morning have an inner sense of God. 
I'm going to prove it out of the Word of God this morning. Secondly, evidence is found in nature. Who knows that? And then thirdly, evidence is found in Scripture. So let's start off and see that people has got an inner sense of God. Look, every person today are born with an emptiness inside of them. And this comes from the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve fell, after they sinned, there was this emptiness. And from since then, every person who's born has got that emptiness. And you know what that emptiness is? It is a seeking, a seeking of God. And people are running around. It's like this man there. He's, he's empty. He's walking out. He's got his career. He's on his way to do something. He's in his busyness of day. In the morning he wakes up. He brushes his teeth. He, he combs his hair. They get them ready for the day. And they go into their business and they work. But deep inside, there's just that something that's missing. Young people go out. They go into the nightclubs, they go into alcohol, they go into every single thing to find something that satisfies them. People are looking for money, they're looking for uh, uh, status with companies, with people. They just want to be in. And the one reason behind all of that, doesn't matter what any psychologists say, I say what the Word says this morning, it's the emptiness-seeking substance in life, and that substance is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. The only place. Look, I don't have to prove this to you because you have it in you. You know. You know that you come from one success in life and the next morning you wake up and you go, wow, that was great. Everybody came around. They patted you on the shoulder. They said, well done. But the next morning when you wake up, how do you feel? Empty. Why? Because the bar is set there and now you need to improve on the bar. And let me just explain to you what disappointment is. Ex disappointment is expectation and reality is right there. And the difference there is disappointment. Now friend, let me tell you, I've experienced it in my life, that if you seek around in the world, you will not be able to fill that gap with worldly things. We need to hear more of this from the pulpits. Our young people is going astray because they don't hear the truth of God anymore. They don't hear this. You see, man must worship something. That's how we are created. Man must worship. You must look for something. And if it's not God, then he will find something to worship. And if he can't find something to worship, what will he do? He will manufacture something to worship. He will make something to worship. And the number one, let me just explain to you that the number one thing that man finds on his list to worship is what? Is self. It's me. I am God. Everybody should bow before me. I'm more important than the person next to me, behind me, in front of me, above me, beneath me. This is what man wants. He wants to worship something. And if you can't find that something in God, like I said, then you will manufacture something to worship. The question is why? Why does man look for something to worship? Why does man want to make himself God? Why does man want to worship himself? For this very reason, it is because if a man 
is his own God, then he can do what he wants without judgment and fear. Think about that. If I can do whatever I want in the world and there's no consequences, there's no judgment, then I'll do it. And let me tell you, dear friends, if that happens in the world today, the world will be an anarchy. People, you know, I can walk into a place and kill somebody. Why? Because, you know, I'm God and you are nothing. And that's happening in the world these days. You are nothing and there's going to be no judgment and I fear nobody, so I'm doing it. This is why man is worshipping self. He wants to be God. He wants to sit on that throne. There was somebody who said once, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. You see, man can't even dish this out of himself. It came from somewhere. This notion of becoming your own God doesn't come from man. It comes from somewhere. I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Who said those words? It's only one, Lucifer. And it's in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. And then, when he said that and it was out in, in the domain, you know what happened? Somebody else picked up on that. Listen to this. Somebody said, and they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Wow! Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered aboard over the face of the whole earth. Who said that? Fallen man. In Genesis chapter 11 verse 4. You see how it progresses? You say, but wait a minute, that's in the Old Testament. Well, I was just praying there this morning and I was thinking over these verses and, and I came across this passage. Hold on to your seat. Because it says here in, uh, in uh, 2 Timothy... Um, Chapter 3, verse 1. Listen very carefully. If you want to write it down, write it down. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. Remember, it came from Satan. It went on to man. You see what I say? Man, don't pick these things. It was placed upon him. It's that emptiness. And if God doesn't fill it, somebody else will. And our enemy, Lucifer, is sitting right there to fill it for you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this. That in the last days, are we living in the last days? You, bet, you better believe that. Let, let, let me just go on a rabbit trail here, okay? The world is fast asleep. It ain't knowing what's coming. There's a big wake-up coming for this world. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm saying what the Bible says. The stock market will crash. And it is going to crash. But you know what's worse than that? This world will be burned up. It's coming. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Wait a minute. Isn't, isn't this what this guy said? He, isn't he loving himself? Isn't it what these guys picked up? What did they say? We're going to make a name for ourselves. Oh, that everybody can say, John, whoa, that would be great, wouldn't it? On everybody's lips. And listen to this in the New Testament. People for men will be lovers of themselves. That means women as well, okay? <laughs> because I see a lot of women love themselves. 
Lovers of money. Oh, show me the money. Money, money, moolah. More, you know. If I can only have a lot of money in the bank, I'm going to be okay. Let me tell you something. You will still have the void inside of you. There's nothing wrong with the money. It's not money. It's the love for money that's the problem. That's the root of all evil. If you've got that void filled and you have money, you will bless. But here it says, lovers of money, boasters, wow, you haven't seen what I've done, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, ungodly, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, Man, the list goes on and on. Haughty, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. They have a form of godliness, the Bible says, but they deny its power. And from such people turn away. The Bible is very clear about that, isn't it? Oh, but you, it's a strong word that you're saying it. Yes, it is. Because it's written in the Word. The Word of God is a strong word. You say, well, whoa, you know, I thought we were going to talk about theology and answering that poor soul's answer there on the bench, and you are really writing to the hard stuff. Well, I want to show you that there's an inner man that's seeking God, and that's proof that God do exist. I'm going to explain this to you now in Romans chapter 1. Let's turn there. You see, Paul talk about this, and this passage here will show you that there is an inner sense of God. There is an inner emptiness and if God doesn't fill it, something else is going to fill it. Romans chapter 1. He says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed. I want you to notice, I didn't color it on the screen, but that there is very important. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You see that? Ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. And I can say I rest my case that I've just made in the last five minutes. What I just went on about is written right there. It's not me saying it, it is him saying it. Paul writes this down. He says the ungodliness and unrighteousness. He talks about a Gentile sinner here, not a Christian. Though these days people use the name Christian and I wonder. I won't go into that. But he says there the ungodliness. You see the word ungodliness? That's the word for wickedness. Wickedness. And unrighteousness means a moral wrongfulness. Unrighteousness means to live a life which is acceptable to me, but not to God. There is righteousness and unrighteousness. Two righteousnesses. He says, but these men, it is revealed from God against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. I don't talk about angels now. I, don't, I talk about men. You and me. The wrath of God is revealed who suppress the truth in that unrighteousness. In their filthy lives they suppress. Suppress means to hold down. If I take Richard, and he's a really strong young boy, 
when we were younger, I could suppress him. I could hold him down. He was, we used to, to wrestle, Gavin and Richard. I used to suppress both boys, one in one hand and one in the other hand, and I could suppress them, hold them down, and they would struggle to get out, but they couldn't. I would hold them down. These days, it will take me a little bit harder to suppress one. I don't think I'll, I'll get there, but, um, but you see, this is it. It suppresses it down with a more powerful thing inside of you, yet it's not more powerful than God. But they suppress what? The truth in their unrighteousness. People know the truth, but they press it down. Because what be known, made known of God is manifest in them. God manifests Himself in them, for it, He has shown it to them. Uh, you say, but how did He show it? Let me read to you John chapter 1, verse 4. He says, In Him was life. This is Jesus Christ. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The light was the true light which gives light to every man coming into this world. Romans chapter 2, verse 14, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these although not having the law, are a law unto themselves, who show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness between the, uh, themselves and their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. Conscience is another thing which is in man. You go to tribes which hasn't heard of, haven't heard about Jesus Christ, if somebody does something wrong in the tribe, what do they do? They punish them. They punish them. Why? Because it's that sense in man between right and wrong. But let's continue. In verse 20 he says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. You see that? Being understood by the things that are made, even His internal power and God it, so that they are without excuse. Man is without excuse. They don't come to me and say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. You are lying. You're an absolute liar. And not only are you lying to people, you are lying to yourself. Because inside of you, He's shown it. His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Why? Because, in verse 21, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And the fools' hearts were darkened. The invisible attributes were clearly seen. God is not hiding. He's out there. You can see, he's, he, you can see him. You can see him in people. He's not hiding. He's, he's not playing uh, um, you know, hide and seek. It's not peekaboo here and peekaboo there. God is clearly, his attributes are clearly seen. You wake up in the morning and you see him. You know He's there. He gives you the heartbeat that you've got. The blessing that you've got. The word there for power is dunamos. It's the same power which He promised the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Dunamos. Dynamic power to become witnesses. Not to be abused like He's done these days in certain circles. The word for God there is His divinity. He says even His eternal power, dunamis and divineness was shown so that man is without any excuse. But you see, they did 
knew God. He says, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. That's the problem. That's the problem. People don't want to glorify Him. And you see what happens, nor were they thankful. Oh, how many times these days do you hear people complaining about every single thing in life? Christians complaining. If it's not too long, it's too short. If it's not too high, it's too low. If it's not too wide, it's too narrow. If it's not too full, it's too empty. But, you know, there's just this unthankfulness about everything. But it goes much deeper than that. But they became futile in their thoughts. You see, see, this goes back to what I've showed you about Lucifer, the people, and then in these last days. They became futile in their thought means they were self-seeking in their imaginations. They became wicked. And let me tell you, I'm ashamed of the wickedness of mankind today. You open up the newspapers, you see all over the news the wickedness of mankind. And their hearts became darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man. You see, I told you, man wants to worship something. And if he can't find it, he'll make it. And then on the top is himself. Birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. I've once done a study, a home study on this, and I explained this. I won't go into depth, but you can see how it spirals down to the lowest point. It goes from the incorruptible God which is in heaven, above heavens, into the image like corruptible man, first the birds, then the four-footed animals which walks on the earth, and then creeping things that crawls into the dust. Let me tell you, sin does the same thing. You think it's good, it's up there, but it spirals down, and soon sin will put you in a position where you crawl with all of the dirt on the ground. Sin pulls you down. This is the same. God lifts you up, sin pulls you down. They profess to be wise. You see, our rejection of God and His general revelation does not make us smarter, dear friends. People think they are smarter or better if they reject God. But once a man rejects the truth of God in Jesus, he will fall to anything foolish. Anything. So, What is the guilt now? And I want to, you remember when I said the wrath of God? The wrath of God? It's not the love of God that lets people continue in their sin. I've heard people say that. Oh, God loves them so much, He will let them continue in their sin. No, no. It's the wrath of God that lets them continue in their sin. And this is the proof of that in verse 24. He says, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. I just want to make a point here that God never gives up on you, but He will give you up. There's a difference there. He gives them up to the uncleanness. He will not force you to worship Him. In the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchange the truth of God for the lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, now I'll get into that part, but I want to show you something there. You see that it is not a lie, it is the lie. There's a reason for that, and that's why I love the Bible. Once you study the Bible and you pick up on these things, God will bless you. You see, a lie is anybody can tell a lie. He didn't say who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. It is the lie. 
Now what is the lie? It goes back to Genesis. It goes back to what I showed you about Lucifer. I am God. That is the lie. That is when Lucifer came and said, I will ascend above God. That is what the men came when they built the city. We will make a name for ourselves. That is what happens in the New Testament. I will make a name for myself and I will make money. It's all about me. That's the lie. That you can be God. I saw a a photo of a pastor of an American church who wrote and his number plate read, I am God. You know what? He fell for the lie. Not for a lie, he fell for the lie. And let me warn everybody in this place and who can hear me today, do not fall for the lie of the enemy. You cannot be God. There's only one God. You see, they dishonor their bodies amongst themselves. Why? Because they suppress the truth of God with their unrighteousness. So God says, you know what, I'm going to give them up. Let them do it. They wouldn't listen, now they're going to feel they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve creatures more than God. Now let me just go into this, not part of the sermon, but I need to say this. In verse 26, he says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. Dear friends, we are living in a vile society right now of these passions. For even there, women exchange natural use for what is against it. I'll tell you now that the lesbian and gay uh, 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 lobbies will want to take these words out of the Bible. But it is written there and you cannot take it out. You can burn the Bibles, but it's written and it's said. And I'm telling you now that one of the biggest, if there is something like that, uh, uh, vilest things you can do against God is to dishonor your body with homosexuality. It is written and you can't change it. I once had a man who, who spoke to me over, the, over Facebook and, and you know he said all of these things about how God made him like that. No, he didn't. God didn't make man like this because then the whole Bible will be an absolute lie and we might as well go to the beach right now and go get, catch a tan. No, it's written there. Lesbians is not of God. And the word of God is against them and they can put you in jail for whatever and and hang you for whatever, but it's written and it will not change. So the woman exchanged the natural cost for what is against it, against nature. You don't see in nature it happens. No, 